<laughs> Hello and welcome to Method Meets Magic Radio with Jess and Dan. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm fun, fly fabulous. Thank you very much, Jessica. How are you doing today? I am doing so good. So we are on week one of our abundance series and defining <laughs> what does abundance mean? How do we create an abundant life? And so Dan, I am wondering today. Yes. What area of your life are you feeling most, experiencing the most abundance today? Ooh, I'm thinking abundance of love. Like I feel really, really loved. I feel really, really loved, really, really loved and supported. That very much, and energy, energy and love. I'm bouncing between the two of those right now. I love that. What about that. you? What about you? Um, I am experiencing an abundance of creativity today. And I'm excited about that. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually, Dan, I have another question before we get in with our, our guests. What is one of the ways in which you love to be shown love? Well, I've, I did my love languages. Mm-hmm. Um, I check in with my love language, personality, testy things quite regularly. I do my motivational mind maps and my love languages have actually shifted. And I think it's because I've been doing a lot more mindful practice since I've been on my little meditation journey and spiritual, the spirituality journey. So now it's um, access service is still up there. Mm-hmm. Access service is still my top. However, where it was, it used to be access service and then everything else was like a two or a three. My Asperger's brain blatantly in the mix. Um, now I've got access service and then just behind it, I have quality time. Mm. I didn't used to give a flying fudge about before, but now I really care about. Now you do. I'm actually going to write these down. I tried to find a pen, but I'm going to put them in my mind since now I know. Um, but you already do that for me, Jess. You already do. I know. It's like a, we have a nice thing going on. Yeah, we have this thing. This. Is, <laughs> I, think we just, I think our spirit bodies meet in the magical intuition world of psychic loveliness. And they talk to each other and then just channel that to us. And that's why we just... I think that's what happened. Okay. I'm down with that. I love it. Well, and on the topic of love today, we (laughs) actually have a very, very special guest with us. We have Marla Mattinson on the show. She is a relationship and intimacy expert for entrepreneurial couples. So she specializes in working with entrepreneurial couples who have urgent desire to transform both their relationships and their business. And her unique approach to coaching comes from her background in mathematics and neuroscience, which I know Dan is just like loves. Um, She uses pattern recognition to reveal the negative habitual responses couples experience and how to change those patterns to achieve their desired outcome. So Marla, we are so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. You two are so fun. I'm super excited. (laughs) What everyone cannot see behind the scenes here is that we actually have a video call going and we're like all dancing and throwing our arms in the air. So we're going to have a ton of fun today. And I'm being like super geek right now. I'm geeking out like geek level 101. Well, I love that you started with your love languages and, (laughs) and the fact that they shifted. That tells you so much about like what's really true in your life, which is that you value growth and you're always going to grow because if your love languages have shifted, that means that you've grown. Mm. That's beautiful. I feel like we're going to get a full hour of like just so much knowledge and understanding of relationships that we're going to have so much to talk to outside of uh, our radio show. Marla, Mm -hmm. what is your love language? Well, my top two love languages are really neck and neck, which is quality time and physical touch. And just recently, I can totally relate, Dan, um, I did the test again, and words of affirmation are coming in a little stronger now. And so Julian, my love, life, and business partner, he has shifted in creating more opportunities for me to receive words of affirmation of things that I'm doing or things he's enjoying about me or how I'm interacting with his daughter or, you know, all the different things that we do on a daily basis. And he's been making more of an effort to do that. And it's totally filling me in a different way, in a way that I never needed in the past, which is kind of interesting. So I love that you two are hip to that. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm really curious. I want to have you tell us a little bit more about what you do and who you serve. Um, and then I, I have some more questions about that. So yeah, tell us about yourself. Yeah. Well, well, before I go on, I'm actually just very curious, Jess, do you know what your love languages are? 
So I haven't taken the test in probably like four years, um, but I actually would think quality time, if I had to guess, was probably my my love language currently. Yeah, I think we all kind of know what they are, what they would be. And it is kind of interesting to take the test again and and see where you, where you fall now, you know? Um, but for me, I love working with any individual or couple who's dedicated to growth. That's the number one core value that is essential for working with me and working with me and my partner, Julian, because we, we do our coaching together with couples. And any, any couple who's dedicated to growth individually they don't necessarily know how to transfer that personal growth skill into the growth in a relationship. And so that's what we do. We help couples transfer their own personal growth into how do you grow a union? How do you grow? And it's the same in how do you grow a business? Just the context is different. The emotions are different. The material the lineage of patterns is different in a business versus a relationship. And so we love working with complexity. So I often will work with a couple who not only do they have relationship material that they want to get better at navigating, they also have employees, they have children, they have extended family, they have other issues that, you know, not every coach or expert can bring the totality of who they are and who they were into the coaching and then help transform all of that material into where they want to go. And so that's one of my areas of mastery, which is taking a lot of information in and then siphoning it down into a very distilled version of, ah, these are the core essences of how you navigate in the world in partnership and how you can take that and amplify your message out into the world while having a graceful, ease-filled, love-filled, joy-filled, flow-filled life together. So bam, that's what I do. Wow. It, the word that's coming to my mind um, is like power couples, like couples that come together and they are here to make a difference in the world together, transform, and just create something really beautiful. I yes. I too, yes. Feel, I too feel this. I want to be in a power couple just so that I can learn to be a super dope power couple person with you guys. Just yes. <laughs> I love that. It yeah. is, you know, it's funny though. You say that and yet a lot of people really do want to be in a partnership that so they can explore their power. So they can explore, you know, who am I in all areas of my life and in relationship? Where, how am I showing up? in this area over here in my business that is then going to also show me or open up a new view as to how I show up in my relationship or how I show up in my health or how I show up in my finances or with my family or my friends. Because as you know, I know you both say this all the time, which is, you know, I mean, how you do one thing is kind of how you do everything. And, and it's true. And yet the context is different. So we get activated in different ways so that we can start to learn more and more about ourselves. You know, it's like in my business, if I had a client say something negative to me about me, which happens, I welcome it. Actually, I don't get activated at all. It just is part of it. Like, oh, good, more juicy material to work on. And then if my partner says something negative about me to me in our relationship, I will probably have a different response, right? And yet I still practice the skill of receiving whatever he has to say to me through the lens of love, through the lens of growth, through the lens of, ah, he wouldn't say that negative thing to me unless he was also suffering. And so that activates the compassion and the desire to actually understand where is he coming from if he's saying that thing to me in a negative way, right? And so we slow the whole thing down and then we get to express what's really going on and go deeper together into where did this even originate from? Was it even yours? Because he's very sensitive. He feels things from the outside world and then brings it in and as a way to process someone else's material. So when you're processing someone else's material, because a lot of people are empaths, right? Mm -hmm. It's not even their material, but you bring it in and then 
it could cause conflict in relationship. It could cause conflict in your business. But how do you separate what's me from what's my partner and honor everything that comes in? Does this make sense? So, I, I love it. Love, love, love. So in a, in a way, one part of your work is empowering people to see how different frameworks require different perspectives on the same thing. Yes, yes. And how can we apply what we call the growth lens to everything, right? So if I'm looking through the lens of growth, then even if he says something to me that I interpret as negative or not supportive in some way, how can I still use whatever is coming in as a way to know myself more by knowing my reactions that arise, my reactions in the form of thoughts blaming him in my mind or the the reaction in terms of emotional response, anger, right? Resentment, sadness, and also receiving it in the realm of physical sensations. So if he says something negative to me, where does it land physically in my body? That gives me information to know myself more. So then I will have a wider tool kit, you know, to be able to navigate my world. And the more that I can receive the good, the bad, and the ugly from anyone, especially my partner, that increases my capacity to receive, period. To just, right? If I only want to receive the good stuff, then, you know, my life will be limited because it's impossible to only receive the good without receiving the stuff, the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, there, you know, Marla, I did a training. Uh, well, I watched a training that you had done uh, for a program that I'm in. And you talked about how um, I don't I might butcher this, but you talked about like your first initial reaction that you have to something is like purely biological or it's like you don't really have a choice over that first reaction. So can you give us a little bit of information on sort of how when you have those negative feelings come up? How do you process them? And then what's the process to go through and find the growth edge? Oh, I love that. I love that so much. So this is going to help everyone. So all of the listeners right now, I want you to just pat yourself on the back and say to yourself, you know what? I am a human and I have physiological responses that I have no control over because I'm human. It's part of the beauty of being in this human form, which is we literally have biological factors that we have no control over. So it's like, give yourself a little hug. Sometimes the first response is just a marker of old material off-gassing. It's the old material from your family lineage of how, you know, if someone, let's, let's use a specific case scenario. So let's say I'm watching Julian do the dishes. Okay. I have opinions about how the dishes should be done. (laughs) Okay. They're not necessarily correct. They're just my opinion. Okay. However, if I can be in a state of happiness that he's doing the dishes, right. Then who cares how they get done as long as they get done. So let's say I'm watching him to do the dishes. And I have a biological response because I, I hear him, let's say he dropped a dish in the sink, okay? The loud noise, I have reactions to loud noises. I'm a super, super sensitive person. And so loud noises sometimes startle me. And so that's number one. Number two, the reaction right off the bat is, is a, my family lineage. Like, oh, you know, you weren't careful enough. You weren't care- if you were more careful, that wouldn't have happened. And now the third response already so super fast is now we're going to have to go get a new plate or whatever thing you just you know broke. That's more time out of our day, right? All the negativity, all that is wrapped up in an internal biological response that you have no control over. So anything that's a startle response, anything that's a loud noise or something unexpected is going to cause a reaction in our brainstem, in our limbic brain portion of our brain that has the emotional response of, wait, am I safe? It goes all the way down to the core. Am I safe? Well, he's over there at the sink with the dishes. I'm over here. So physically I'm safe. Okay, great. So, but before I even have that cognitive thought of, yes, I am safe. The first response is just biological. The cascade of chemicals starts flowing in my system. And for some period of time, 
It could be two minutes, it could be 20 minutes, it could get extended out for the entire day. How long am I gonna stay activated will be determined by how much prior experience I have coming out of negative habitual patterns faster and faster. So to the amount and the extent that I have already done this work of trying to come out of my unhappy, unfulfilling habit patterns and pivot quickly into being in the present moment, asking, is this even necessary to talk about? Do I, do I just say, are you okay? Do you need anything? Or can I just say, oh man, sometimes things break, don't they? Right? How quickly I can pivot will help both of us come out of our cascade of chemicals faster. And what we don't realize is we, most of us ha already have a very low level of negative chemicals flowing through our system in general, cortisol and you know, um, the stress hormones that are basically telling us you're not safe, you need to be defensive, you need to you know, double check everything. Those chemicals are almost constantly flowing, especially if you deal with commuting in traffic, if you deal with internet problems, technology issues, not having enough money in the bank. Like there are so many issues we deal with on a daily basis that activate that chemical flow. And then you have one experience that takes it over the edge. And the first response, and this is why I say we want to be really gentle and kind with ourselves, is always a biological response you have no control over. So I always like to pause and then consciously choose the words that will come out of my mouth that will be the most loving and positive for the situation. Sometimes my tone of voice is not loving and kind. I, that might be hard to believe. And yet, sorry, it's true. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, and my tone of voice can be, right? It can be condescending or it can be a little, little extra stank on it. You know what I'm saying? And so instead of using words, Sometimes I'll actually text a funny emoji or something to Julian instead of using my words. That's a positive use of technology. And we already have a pre-planned agreement that we never ever use texting for anything other than something positive or logistics because the negative texting going back and forth, it's like unleash the nasty inside of you. We don't allow that. That's a face-to-face -face conversation because you're willing to say things over text in an unhealthy negative way that you're not willing to say to somebody's face because you have to deal with the direct consequences. So I, I kind of gave you a lot of material there. Um. <laughs> That's beautiful. I, something that I'm hearing you say, but not say is it sounds like there is a high level of communication in your relationship. Like um, how empowering is it to say like, Hey, this is how I know I initially respond. And then this is what we're going to do. And what I loved that you said in the beginning, the very beginning about love languages was the fact that words of affirmation is something that's like your love language is shifting. So I'm so curious to know about how, when you discover these new things about yourself, how do you create this space to empower the other person to know how to show up for you or how to love you or celebrate you? Oh, that is so special because it's so new also for me. So it's really fun to kind of excavate that. I can tell you with this particular thing, the words of affirmation, um, I don't need words of affirmation from the general public or from mentors, or it's literally only from him. Uh, I don't need it from really anybody else. And yet I've realized, ah, it's super tender and really vulnerable for me to say, I would love to hear more out loud when you're thinking about something that I'm doing well, or something that you admire, or something that you respect, or something that you're watching me struggle with and come through to the other side. Like something that's natural. Like I always say, you don't have to create anything because he's told me so many times that in his mind, he's he just thinks I'm amazing and he, he says it in his mind all the time. So I realized, ooh, I would like to hear more about how you're feeling about me verbally because I feel it and I know it and like hearing it is kind of fueling and feeding a different location inside of me that I didn't even know needed something and so to even ask it was a really vulnerable piece to just say 
could you share more of how much you love me and why at times when you're actually thinking it or even just after or whenever you remember, you know, it doesn't have to be some perfect version. But that piece, um, I think that as we start to realize things about ourselves in relationship, when we choose to include our partner in that exploration before you have it handled, that's where the intimacy comes in. That's where the vulnerability and the deeper bond comes in because he's now part of my exploration and he's now part of my um, not really knowing how to navigate that or what it really feels like. Like it's not already completed where I'm just sharing, hey, here's how I like to be treated. It's more, ooh, I don't even know. I you might say some things that activate me in a way I don't like. You might say some things that activate me in a way that just moves me to tears. I, and I'm open for all of this. So you can't mess it up. You can't make a mistake. This is an exploration and let's do it together. So I always look at that as like a, a genuine loving opening into, hey, let's, let's like arm in arm, walk through this obstacle course that neither one of us have been through before and then come out the other side together. Oh, I love that so much. That's such, what an, what an empowering way to experience life. I think it can be easy to get into the monotony of what you always do or how you always act or how you always show up. So I think that's really um, amazing to excavate and create together. Yeah, because isn't it true that um, when we find something that works in our partnership, and this is how this relates directly to business also, when we find something that works, we just keep doing that thing. It doesn't leave a whole lot of room for creativity. It doesn't leave a lot of room for innovation. It doesn't leave a lot of room for quantum leaps to the next level. It's like, oh, I know that when I touch him this way, it gets this reaction. I know that when I show up and I make food that looks like this or tastes like that, it gets this reaction. What if I do something totally out of what he's expecting? Now, how is he gonna show up? It's like when we only stay with what works, especially in our business, like, oh, if I do these Facebook ads and I do this thing and I do those podcasts and I do this show, I should get these results because this is what I've gotten in the past. And when we do that, we get stuck there, then we find ourselves limited. So I like to keep it very creative and open. And I practice that on a daily level in my relationship, because when you practice it here and being open and vulnerable to new things and, 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 and knowing like, oh, these things work and what else, you know, because you can't just rest on your laurels here that, oh, that works. Well, what happens when he grows, which happens every moment, every moment he's growing. And so mm -hmm. if I can't see him in this present moment, because I'm thinking that this is what he likes, I'm limiting him and what's possible for him in his growth. So the idea is how can I literally like close my eyes and open them with fresh eyes to be able to look at him like, mm, I wonder, I have no idea, who is this man? Who is this person? And if I can do that with him, I can do it with myself and I can continue to reinvent myself and take the love languages quiz again and get a new answer. Oh my gosh. I hope everyone out there is like, if you're use, if you're driving, like not using two hands to do this, but you're making mental notes. Like I hope everybody is taking notes of all of the goodness that is coming um, out of this conversation, because this Marla is such a unique, I just haven't heard many people with this kind of perspective on relationship. And there's just like so much juicy goodness. So thank you for sharing with us. Mm. Um, I wanted to, so something that I hear a lot of people say is people who are single is I just, I'm going to work on myself first before I enter into relationship. And something that I found was I probably had about two years where I was like, I barely dated anyone. And I was like, I'm going to work on myself. And then I went back into relationship and was like, hold on, this is where the real work starts because I can't see me as me. Um, and somebody else is showing me what I need to work on. Um, and so what's your perspective on that idea of working on myself before a relationship? Um, yeah. So sometimes there are important reasons why you would want to take that path and work on yourself before you get into a relationship. There are very, very personal reasons for that. I'll just name a few. One is you're still working through getting over an ex 
One is you, there's some physical or emotional trauma that's happened in your life that you want to get really clear on before you navigate into a relationship. Um, another is you've had a pretty amazing opening experience in your life and you want to integrate that in your life before you start you know, melding with another person. So there are a number of um, beautiful reasons to have that as an option to say, you know, I'm just not quite in a place where I want to share my life with someone. I want to kind of reach a couple of milestones uh, before I get there. Um, so, I, you know, first of all, there's no wrong way to do it. There's no wrong way. That's, that's the big part of our lessons and our teaching is what if we make everything a yes, that everything is just perfect the way you're choosing it. And then the, the next phase is if you want to be in a relationship where you're growing, then the idea is that you choose a partner who also has that as one of their core values, which is they want to live a growth-based life together and they want to practice using the relationship or the union as the vehicle for their own personal transformation. And that's what we practice and that's what we teach. So I'm in relationship with Julian, business, love, and life, and I'm in relationship with myself first, first. And in fact, Whenever something happens in the in my outside life with Julian, I'm always checking in with myself first. How is this landing for me? You know, and and that's important on my journey because I used to be the exact opposite, which is always caring about the other person first. So on my path, it was important to get selfish, get a little like not clinically, but like a little narcissistic, you know, <laughs> uh, to be able to say, hey, I matter first. How is this impacting me? And then move forward. And other people who have more of the, the gift of they're really great at being unapologetic and they mostly make it about themselves, that's a gift. So then the other side of that is how do they practice making it more about their partner first, right? So we all have a growth edge here. Nothing is right or wrong. It's all just, hey, where, where do you need to grow to be an even bigger version of yourself so you can be more of service out in the world, whether it's because you're a parent raising children and you want to be the best version for them, or you have a business that's really going big in the world, or you just want to be a loving presence on earth. It doesn't always have to be about money and business, right? How, how you are moving through the world is the most important thing. Nobody else can do that for you. And so to be in relationship where the foundation is growth, that means you're never going to get stagnant. It means that your everything that you run across that's a challenge is viewed as an opportunity to grow and to grow together. And I think this is one of the big distinctions between my work and the work of some other relationship experts and therapists is that um, it's easy to work on yourself and then bring that to the relationship it's much more challenging to work on the relationship together by working on yourself in the relationship. And so there are a number of relationship experts and therapists that I really respect out there who do that work like me with couples where they're not doing the work separately, they're doing it together. They're being witnessed together. Like Julian and I, we go away on trips together where the purpose is to have an outside mentor work with us individually and being witnessed by the other partner. So I'm getting one-on-one -on -one attention from a mentor and Julian is witnessing that and vice versa. And so I'm not in the teacher role in the relationship and Julian is not in the teacher role in the relationship because that's another dangerous factor, right? Is if somebody turns into the teacher, then now you're in the mother-father dynamic and that is not sexy. No, it's not. <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting one for you to bring up because I actually think, for me personally, um, I find because I love what I do so much, I sometimes don't switch off. So with friendships, and this happened with a friendship once where someone called up and they had a problem, I've automatically gone into helping teacher mode and they were just like, I kind of just need you not to coach me right now, just to listen <laughs> to me. And that can happen in relationship too. So it's really interesting, the dynamic, the way that you work it with, with your own relationship, where yeah, you recognize that teaching needs to happen, 
and you let them just witness you getting that. But so maybe they know how to support you going forward without necessarily being the teacher, but being a supportive lover, partner, or whatever. I think this is something that people can carry not just into intimate relationships, but also into into their friendships as well, I think. Oh, 100%. This has to do with the foundation of trust. Trusting that when someone brings a drama to you, their drama, right? Like their challenge, drama has maybe a negative connotation. So they, they bring a challenge to you, right? And you know you can help them. Okay, here's this is the big challenge for experts and coaches and you know business owners. You know you can help this person. However, sometimes the best course of action, especially in friendships and relationship and family for sure, is to trust that they can handle it exactly the way need, they need to. And if they want your support, then it's their responsibility to ask for it directly, move towards you to say, hey, can you help me with this thing? I'd love your brain power on this. And if they don't ask for that, that you can offer it and say, so, and we do this quite often with friends and in relationship is, um, how would you like me to listen to this? Are you asking me to listen as a hole poker, someone who's going to like try to poke holes in the argument to see if the argument can stand on its own two legs? Or are you asking me to hold space for you to just vent? Or are you asking me to help solve this problem? Love that. Again, such an empowering, I think it is easy, Dan, I agree with you to go into helper mode and, oh, you have a problem. I know how to fix it. Um, and so I think that's really, really powerful. Mm. No, thank you very much for that. That's, um, I've got one thing that I want to ask, but I'm going to see how far we get through with the magical stuff. Cause you may cover it anyway. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut until later. Um, maybe I'll message you about it. <laughs> Do you think we should head to a break for a little bit? Oh yes. Let's give people an opportunity to decompress and have a boogie to the groovy sounds of Mr. Eric. Excellent. All right, Mr. Eric, take us to a break. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah. I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Alternative Talk 1150. Thank you for continuing to join us on this fabulous adventure into abundance in relationships. Jess and I are starting a new series on abundance. Last week we talked about what abundance was to us. And today we have Marlon Mattins dropping those truth bombs, those knowledge bombs, those love bombs, those beautiful bombs which is what we do here on Method Meets Magic. Be sure to join us on Facebook, Method Meets Magic. Be sure to join us on Instagram, also Method Meets Magic. But today, <laughs> today Jess continues to lead the way as first chair in this exploration of abundance in relationships with the one, the only, Marla Mattinson. Keep on bringing it, Mama. We're loving it. I'm <laughs> digging this. It's so good. I just had a thought. You guys, you know, one of the things, the topic of abundance is so spacious, right? I mean, really creating what you want. And this is so beautifully overlapping with the work that I do, because basically what I'm doing is I'm teaching couples how to live in total freedom in their relationship. I mean, if you can imagine being in relationship with a partner, whom you love and whom you want to grow with, where you can say anything to them that doesn't have to come out perfectly, right? And they will receive it. That, that your partner can tell you the truth about how 
they're experiencing you and you are loving and responsive in the most beautiful way when they share those things with you and that you use all of that material to grow more and more into the best versions of yourselves and together over a lifetime. Like that, that is abundance to me in relationship. I love that. I was going to ask you what um, abundance in relationships means to you. So I totally love that. Um, Dan had an amazing question too. He wanted to ask about, I feel like this goes into the idea of abundance in relationships. So Dan, I'm going to hand this over to you. You look like you're getting a little nervous over there to ask this one. I see you sweating. I'm I'm excited. (laughs) So just so Marla, so here's the thing. When we said we're going to do this abundance series, I was so happy that Jess was like, we're kicking off with relationship because in terms of something that I call the five boxes exercise in my ideal life blueprint, which is bringing your life down into four or five boxes of the things that are most important. And then you can focus your energy on those boxes, create a solid foundation for your life and then build out from there in short. And one of mine is relationship because it's one of the areas that I've always been called to work on. I'm going to frame it that way. Having Asperger's, um, and just not really having the wiring for a lot of the, the functions that leave one optimal for a relationship. It's something that putting work into has, has always been something I had to do. And it's been easier since being in spiritual practice, being more heart-centered and not necessarily being in my head so much. I'm finding that where there's resonance, right? Those relationships flow. But when we're looking at intimacy, then we have this whole thing of like soulmates coming into it. And Jess and I have spoken about this a lot, whether soulmates are necessarily intimate relationships because we're definitely soulmates, but it's not intimate. It's, we have energy babies and that's it. Um, Jess is laughing because she knows what I mean. <laughs> Do you think that grace, great relationships are made or born? Oh, they're made. <laughs> they're made because, yeah, don't worry about that. They are made. And I'll, I'll tell you the reason why they're made is because even relationships that are born as amazing from the get-go, eventually you stumble upon a bunch of potholes. If you're living a growth-based life, you will step into some murky, muddy material. And how you handle that matters. So even if you have a naturally connected sort of born relationship, if you don't nurture it and you don't water it and you don't work with it in a way that helps it grow, then it will naturally die off. It will naturally sort of, you know, you'll create distance between each other when one person is growing and the other person is a little more stagnant, you know, because you're never growing at the same rate. And so I love that you bring in the Asperger's piece because there's this really messed up view of um, some ideal version of how you're supposed to be in relationship and how you're supposed to talk to each other. And the truth is that when Julian says something to me, that's just not amazing. It gives me the opportunity to hold space for him, no matter how he's showing up because we, we start with what we call the benefit of the doubt right? We give each other the benefit of the doubt. So like just the other day, um, I was throwing fire at him because I had some things going on. Right. And he asked me a question, God forbid. And, uh, in the middle of this. And so he asked me a question and, you know, just like the dragon's lair came out, (sighs) you just, you know, blew it at him. And here's what he did. Cause he's been practicing this. He just received it all. He just let me off gas. He put his hazmat suit on. He put on his fire retardant wear, you know, in his mind. And he just received all of that nastiness that I had coming at him. And he looked at me with loving eyes in the process. He's like, wow, my woman is off the chain right now with her negativity. I'm just going to receive it. And he did. And what happened was because he didn't have any reaction other than love, I shifted immediately into love and, and, and gratitude for him. And it took us to like another deep layer in our relationship where he's like, sometimes you show up and you blow fire. 
I love that about you. When you're blowing fire in the direction of other people, it's amazing. <laughs> when you're blazing a path in this lifetime of your business, when you're blazing a path for a couple so they can see the truth of their relationship, that's also me blowing fire. That's also me breathing out the like intensity. It's just that when it's coming in his direction, it's not so fun. So what if you can just show up how you show up and then you have some systems in place for the cleanup, for how you navigate together, for how quickly you pivot. And this is the thing that I think is really important here. No matter if you have the wiring for all of this, some people deal with depression, some people deal with Asperger's, some people deal with you know just being on, on any kind of the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, if you accept all of who you are and you say, this is who I am at the core and I'm always reflective, I'm always gonna try and get a little better at, at how I navigate. And I want you to know that when I get angry next time or when I get upset or when I want to hide because I'm human, I'm going to do my absolute best to shorten the duration that I'm in it and lessen the intensity while I'm in it. That's my guarantee for you that I'm going to really actively do that. And so if you can practice just receiving what I have to give without getting reactive, that's going to be the best case scenario. And if you happen to get reactive, we might do what we call a double activation, which is really unpleasant. And then how quickly we come out of it together, shorten the duration of the time we spend in that nasty and negativity and, and lessen the intensity quickly, right? And so when we make those agreements with each other, then we can show up how we normally are and not have to put on such a fake face in relationship. We just be who you are, let that be accepted by you. And then it'll also be accepted by your partner. And he knows that I don't stay in that realm for any long period of time. And it's only from time to time if I'm feeling really stressed, right? And so the more compassion he can have for me when I hit those roadblocks, that's where, wow, we really are showing up for each other in an abundant way. Like I don't have to fit into a perfect model of what he thinks a relationship is or what I think a relationship is. It's creating a loving container. So him almost holding that space and allowing you created this loving container instead of him trying to constrict it with why are you doing this or judgment he just held a container of love with the way that he held that love for you in that in that moment and that allowed you to fully express yourself to the point that you felt the need to express yourself and then pivot on the love that he showed you in that moment that's beautiful that's right that's right and that's you know that's kind of the most ideal version but i mean I've been doing this work for 25 years and, and this relationship, like I couldn't be in a relationship that wasn't this. And that's the thing is that when we start to find out what our non-negotiables are, when you say to yourself, okay, I want to have physical attraction, whatever that feels like to you. I want to have someone I can talk to about how I really feel. I want to have someone that I don't have to show up perfectly. I can really be who I am. And I'm exploring that still. Like it's a lifelong exploration because just as I become more and more aware of how I'm moving through the world, it changes. It changes because new opportunities come my way. Oh, how are you going to navigate in this area? How are you going to navigate in that area? And, oh, I didn't show up so great over here. How do I learn from that together and share that experience so that we're building a bond that's really unbreakable? Because the more experiences you go through together in a growth-based way, where it's not about showing up perfectly, it's about showing up how you actually show up without hiding any parts of yourself, especially the ugly. I mean, the fact that I can breathe fire on this man is so freeing. Like, I don't have to try to be anybody but who I am. It's amazing. And that's what I wish for everyone. That's beautiful. I I was just having a conversation this morning about how fairy tales when we're younger, like we look at like, this is what happens. There's one conflict in the whole movie and then they break up because it's a disaster and then they get married and the movie scene ends and then they live happily ever after. And, um, I, I love your take on this, that it's the, that it's okay. To, and I think especially something I've noticed in the personal development field, sometimes 
I've seen people make emotions wrong or have this sort of concept of I'm supposed to be happy all of the time. And I am certainly a fire breather um, as well at times. <laughs> so um, I, I appreciate this very much. I think, thank you. I think people can feel it too. I think we're all natural fire breathers on some level. I can, I can talk to any human on earth and find out where I can poke around to make them breathe fire, to access the truth of the anger, the fear, the resentment, the, the sadness, the depression. I mean, I can poke around and I can find where the fire is. And if they can't share that in relationship, then they're living a partial relationship. And so the idea is that we practice being who we really are in very loving containers of safety and love and intention that, hey, I'm going to give you a chance to breathe your fire. And, and actually, this is a great time to just share one of the techniques that I have, which is it's a venting technique, right? I love like, let's, this is all woo woo, but let's bring it into practicality here, right? Like, what do I do? How do I get that relationship? Okay, so here's one way. So the venting technique is super easy. You're probably already doing something like this, but it's not getting the result you want. So here's the idea. When I start looking around and I'm judging Julian for something, it's a message to me that I'm probably starting to stack up resentments in my unconscious corner. So you start looking around, if you start having opinions about your partner or your friends or family members or something, if you start to notice that you're judging them, it's probably likely that you are building up some resentment. So number one is becoming aware, I've got some resentment. Step two is asking your partner or friend, hey, I feel like I'm sort of stacking up some resentments in our relationship for some reason. I don't even know why or what they really are. Would you be willing to help me excavate them in a way that's actually really easy for you? Yes, great. Okay, here's what I'm gonna do. You don't even have to look at me while I'm talking to you. In fact, I prefer that you don't, okay? This is a, a something that's so loving. Don't make your partner or your friend look at you in the eye while you're talking about this, okay? Because then you're gonna start reading their expressions, making meaning out of it, and derailing the whole process. Don't do that, okay? Get an old-fashioned piece of paper and a pen, and here's what's going to happen. The person venting out is going to talk and the other person is going to write down bullet points of what they're hearing. So I'm going to say, so I'm resentful that you didn't do the dishes the other day. I'm resentful that, you know, I have to blah, blah, blah. And you just list out all of your resentments. Then the partner writing is going to say, um, do you feel complete or is there any more? It helps you to pull out more. Well, yeah, also these other three things I didn't want to say. Great. They write them all down. Okay, then the partner who was writing it down says, thank you for sharing that with me. I'd like to reflect them for you. And you literally read the list. So I hear that you have resentment because of da-da-da, because I didn't do the dishes, because of da-da-da. <clears throat> Just read the entire list. And the person who spoke those words feels heard, feels seen, and sometimes it activates more resentments so they need to get more out. So the person reading it back to them then will ask, is there any more? Did, any, did I miss anything or did anything else come up for you? And then the person who wanted to vent, go, ah, you know what? Yeah, actually, hold on. There's a couple more things. Vent it out again, repeat back, and then just say, thank you so much. And that's it. We really just need to be heard. You don't even have to come up with any solutions at all. Just the fact that you can say it out loud and be heard is enough. Now, here's the next version of that, of that exercise, which is when you don't have a lot of time to do this. This is for busy entrepreneurs, busy teachers, parents, right? All of us who are really busy in our lives. This is a super beautiful way to vent out a particular incident that you are very unhappy with without going into the story of trying to figure out how to heal all of it, okay? And here's what you do. Privately, separately, write out your story. Oh, and be really nasty. Let yourself be really ugly because you're just going to burn it and nobody's going to see it, okay? So you just like, and then he, da, 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 and then that, that, that. And make sure you use your emotional words, right? I was so angry. I was pissed off. And then I got sad, right? Okay, so you just write that all out and vent it out. Step two, take your pen and circle the emotions only. 
So you're literally circling, circling the words on the page that are only emotions. And then you transfer that list onto a new blank piece of paper only with emotions. So it says anger, pissed off, sad, the list of emotions. And you go to your partner or your business partner or your friend and you say, I just need to vent out how I've been feeling. It has nothing to do with you. I'm taking responsibility for it. And I would love to be witnessed and heard. Are you available for that? Yes. Wonderful. Here I go. Lately, I've been feeling angry and sad and depressed and pissed off and da, da, da. It's me taking responsibility for it. Then the partner reflects back only those words. They don't know the storyline. You don't tell them the storyline. You don't spiral it back into the story. You stay focused on the emotions. Those are the two fastest techniques to build intimacy, to build trust, to feel heard and seen in relationship and including friendship, including business partnerships so that you can just vent it out and move forward because you don't, you don't want to actually get into a heavy conversation while you're activated. You want to be, you know, you want to vent all that out. And then at a calm time, you can say, hey, can we revisit this one thing? And then you can work through it in a loving way. Go for a walk together and talk about it. But that, those are the two greatest, fastest techniques on venting out and being heard and creating intimacy with a friend or a partner. Amazing. I hope everybody wrote that down because I know for certain it's in my head. I've gotten so many nuggets today um, that I know will carry with me for a very long time. So thank you, Marla, so much for your um, just all of your wisdom. And, and we'd love, we have about a minute left. So we'd love to have you just tell people where they can find you and how they can connect with you. Oh, perfect. Yes. Please follow us at the intimacy experts on Instagram. So Instagram is the intimacy experts. That's me and Julian. And then on Facebook, Marla Mattinson, and certainly go to my website, marlamattinson.com because um, the opt-in there is the relationship redo. And it's a great, easy technique for colleagues, for friends, for lovers on how to redo something in the moment that literally will rewire your brain for happiness. Beautiful. And are you still doing the column in Entrepreneur? Are you still doing Dear Marla? I am not still doing Dear Marla, but I write for a number of publications and I do some TV spots as well. So you can awesome. definitely check out my website it has a lot of the list. Yeah, there's some great articles on there. I'm going to yeah. be having a cheeky peek myself. <laughs> Thank you so much. I feel empowered Thank you so much. and open to some abundance up in this relationship right heart mm -hmm. <laughs> there it is. There it is. so make sure you follow us as well on facebook on method uh, method meets magic yep instagram yep facebook instagram method meets magic you are jess underscore barbaco yep b-u-b-b-i-c-o -B -B -I -I on instagram and jess barbaco on facebook yeah that's me yeah, I'm Dan Mangena on Facebook, or you can follow the official page, Daniel Mangena, with all the fancy stuff. And you can find me as Dreamer CEO over on Instagram. Um, next week, we have another fabulous guest. Who have we got next week, Jess? I think we have Denise Duffield Thomas on the show next week, which is amazing. Thanks, Doc. Um, we're looking forward to you telling us all about what you learned today, what you'd like to hear more of, and just generally let us know that you're out there listening. So join the conversation on Facebook. Send some love to Marla for everything that she's done for today because she's amazing and it's Yay! been wonderful. We are Method Meets Magic. It has been our pleasure to serve you. Uh, Mr. Eric's going to give us some music in a moment. We're going to dance again. But until then, we love you. It's been amazing. And join us again next week. Actually.